So yeah, we will be in Revelation. Should be easy to find. It's the very last book of the Bible. <laughs> All right. Dear Lord, we just thank you that we are here today, that we have breath in our lungs, Lord, that you have afforded us today. Lord, we thank you that we have victory in Christ, Lord. And Lord, as we go through the book of Revelation, Lord, just pray that you would guide and direct our hearts, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and knowledge, Lord, that, uh, you know, this book freaks people out. But Lord, we know that you have given it, Lord, and Lord, if you gave it, you gave it so it can be understood at least to the amount of the human understanding. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would be in control of our time, Lord, be in control of this day, Lord, may we surrender all to you. Lord, we praise you. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So what is Revelation? Who knows anything about Revelation? Hmm? Okay. What does Revelation mean? Okay. Okay. What the future. See the future is past or present. Okay. Okay. So. So yes, the word Revelation, the actual word is apocalypsis. Okay, that's where we get the word apocalypse from. That? Oh, jeez. You want it spelled? A P O. Thank you. O C. No, no, no. K A L U P S I S. Apocalypsis. But yes, it stands for an un an unveiling, an uncovering, a revealing or revelation Disclosure. right so this is the revelation of Jesus okay it was given to John it's not John's revelation okay it is one revelation okay? it's only one one thing that Jesus is revealing he's revealing the end okay and what that's going to look like but he's also revealing what's happening in that time and what they're about to experience Right, so there is there is present, there is future, but there's also past in the book of Revelation. Like I said, we're only going to do the first eight verses today. That way, we don't let our brains explode because they probably will if we were to do more. <laughs> so, like I said, this, this is going to take a while to do. All right, so now that we kind of have the general of where this is coming from, okay. Because you know, there's many things that we can draw from this, right? The whole idea is that Jesus is victorious. That's like the main idea of the whole book. It's all centered on Jesus and him returning. Okay? And one of the reasons that we were given this book is just like when he talked about the end times with his disciples okay, in Matthew 24 and 25. Okay? The whole reason he gave all that is so that they could be ready and they could stand firm in the faith that they have in him. Okay, so that's the whole reason we have this. Jesus wants us to be aware of what's going to happen. Okay, so that we don't fall back, so that we don't stumble, so that we don't run away when we start seeing these things happen. It's so that we can stand firm in faith, knowing that, hey, these things are supposed to be happening. You know, and we can look to him. Because okay, he's our victory, and he will make it come to pass. Period. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read these first eight verses the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place he made it known by sending his angels to his servant John who testifies to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ whatever he saw 
Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. John to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has set us free from our sin by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> Look, he is coming with the clouds and everyone will see him, even those who pierce him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. The one who is, the one, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Okay. So now, who gave this revelation? Jesus. Jesus. God. John wrote God. God. Right. In the ver in the very first verse, it, it tells you who gives it. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, but it was given by God. Okay, so this is actually God giving it to Jesus, and then Jesus giving it to John, sometimes through his own speaking, and sometimes through an angel who is guiding him through the vision. Okay, at this point, he's not in the vision yet. Okay, he's just writing a greetings. Okay, you know, that's what verse verse four through through um, six is is his greeting to those he's writing to. You know, but like I said, this is actually from God. Okay, so you know it can be trusted. Okay? It's not just some random angel who came and said, "Hey, here's a New Testament. I want you to write this down." It's not it. It was actually. Jesus, who's giving this, okay? But it's coming directly from God, you know, so you can trust. And it also, one of the things that it does is that it doesn't, like, do what apocalyptic writing did back then, okay? What they would do is they would write under the name of some ancient hero and make apocalyptic writing. But the apocalyptic writing of the time didn't have any hope in it, Okay? The book of Revelation has hope, right? In the end, we have the hope, the glorious appearing of Jesus. That is the hope. We have the hope of the resurrection unto eternal life. Okay, that's for the believer. For the unbeliever, not so happy, right? It's a resurrection unto eternal death, which is the lake of fire. Okay, so that's the differences between the Greek writing they had then and what John is doing. Hey, John is writing under his own name, okay? And he's showing the hope that we have in Christ through even apocalyptic vision, okay? So now that's also one of the reasons why this is a blessing to read this book, okay? He didn't make it so hard to understand. Everybody just thinks it's hard to understand because there is a lot of picture, there's a lot of type, there's a lot of imagery, 
Some of it's going to be literal, some of it's not, because John just didn't know how to describe what he was watching. Right? Because at one point he gets to go into heaven and he gets shown the vision. He gets to see this unfold and take place. Okay? I don't know about you, but that would be awesome. Like I said, some of, it's, some of it is going to be literal. Okay? Like Mark of the Beast, that will be literal. It's going to be an actual mark that you can see, that you will willingly take if you choose to do so. When it says it's a mark on the hand or the forehead, you've got to imagine that it's going to be very visible, especially because it shows your allegiance to the Antichrist. Okay? It's a form of worship. Okay, you are worshiping the Antichrist by taking that mark. But we're not there yet. <laughs> okay? So the shot is not the mark. Okay? So for those of you guys who got the mark, you, I mean the, the shot. <laughs> okay, for those of you who got the shot, you did not take the mark of the beast. Okay? I want you, I want you to, I want to have you hear that right off the bat. That is not the mark of the beast. You are not some antichrist lover if you took the vaccine. Okay? So some people don't. I want to get that out of the way since you brought it up. Okay, but there are seven, okay, there are seven Beatitudes, okay, or blessings that come through the book of Revelation. Okay, the first one is right here. Blessed is the one who reads or hears the prophecy of this book or letter, right? It's a letter. It's a really long letter. But, right, the idea is that Back then, people were pretty illiterate, and so few people could actually read. So the person or messenger who is going to be taking this to the many different churches, right? The seven different churches, okay? It goes in a clockwise circle to these churches. It's like some road that the Romans built through these different, different provinces, okay? So the messenger is going to take this scroll or letter, and he's going to give it to the pastor or whoever's in charge of leading that church, okay? And they're going to read it. They're going to read the whole thing. And then they're going to pass it to the next church. And then the next, and then the next, and the next, okay? So then it will eventually get circulated throughout all of the churches. Oh, I'm sure they did. That was their tradition. That was their tradition, was to make copies, exact copies, and the copies were so stringently done that if you messed up even just a little bit, they would burn it. That was the custom anyway. Sooner or later, eventually they started, you know, allowing for small variations as long as the message was the same. Okay. Just like the different translations we all have. Right. They all say the same, same idea but for the most part, they're kind of worded differently, right? Mine is worded differently than yours. Oh, and there's nothing wrong with that, as long as it's not like completely changing everything. Because there are some out there that change everything. They remove the deity of Christ. They, you know, they separate him as a separate God instead of God in the flesh. Okay, so you have to be careful when it comes to translations. But when it comes to what they had done, yeah, they copied it. There were a lot of copies eventually. And that's why we can actually know what we have in front of us is very accurate because of the amount of copies and different manuscripts. 
And you can go back and you find some of the oldest manuscripts. That's why I like some of the newer translations because they have even older trans transcripts. Those are like one of the oldest ones that they've found. Yeah. And it had some other stuff, but it was, there was a majority was Bible, but Old Testament. Yeah. Isaiah was huge. So, you know, but you're blessed if you, if you hear or even if you read or hear. And like I said, they were illiterate back then, a vast majority. So it was that somebody else had to read it. So you were blessed even if you were hearing the words of this prophecy. Okay. So if you don't read so well, <laughs> you know, then it's okay. You can listen to what the word is being said. That's why audio Bibles are pretty awesome, right? I can drive for hours and just listen to the Bible. You know, but you're blessed. Now, what the blessing is, we don't know. It may not be a normal blessing that we think of, right? It may be that the blessing is, right, that you get to know the things that are coming and that you can stand firm in Christ no matter what comes our way. Now, some, some scholars and some like commentators will probably try to, to write what the blessing is going to be, but we don't hundred percent. know. it doesn't exactly tell you it just tells you that you're blessed. If you hear, if you read hear, and obey, right? That's the big part. If you keep what is written, that's the biggest part, right? Is you can read it, you can hear it, but if you don't keep any of it, what good is it? It's not any good, right? Right? It's just like saying, oh yeah, I follow Christ and I'm a believer, but if you don't actually abide in him and, and truly follow him, what good is it? Right? Then it's just a head knowledge. It's just a thing you know. And that you can say you believe. But if you're not actually following him in, in word and in deed, then it's probably nothing. It's meaningless. Okay? And we all know it's easier to say that we follow than it is to actually do. You know, but I think as long as we are striving every day to follow Christ to the best of our ability by the surrender of the, to the Holy Spirit to actually lead us and guide us in that, you're doing really good. Okay, you know, because if you're really surrendered to the spirit, then you're going to do the things that Christ has called you to. Okay. Good. We all get that. All right. Now he's writing to the seven churches. He'll explain who they are later. However, it says, and I like this part because right here you see, you see the triune nature of God described. And I didn't see that until today. See, I told you, I have studied this for years, and this is the first time that this has been brought out to me. Okay, it says that it is grace and peace to you from the one who is, one who was and is to come. Who's that? It's God. Okay, and then from the seven spirits before his throne. Now, what's that? It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's, seven is a number of completeness. That's why it goes to seven churches. So it's the complete spirit of God. It's a sevenfold spirit of God. 
That's the other word you would find in some translations is the sevenfold spirit of God, which is the other word for Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. I just, six is the number of incompletion. That's why the mark of Jesus is six, six, six. It's just chaos. It's, it's, everything against God. There's, there's stuff in numbers too. There. I just yeah, people get too caught up in numbers. And then you have... God the Son. So you have God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, all right here in two verses. Right? John is greeting these churches from all persons of the triune Godhead. That's cool, huh? <laughs> I mean, you can get tripped up when you see the seven, the seven spirits before the throne and think, okay, what? Wait a minute! I thought God was only was was three in one, not not seven and three in one. Okay, but it's the it's the complete, the wholeness of His Spirit. Okay, so but I just thought that was really cool to see that. Wow, the triune nature of God is like put right there. Right, that you get all three persons. So, and then to Him who loves us. Now, who's that? That's Jesus, right? Okay. Hey, because who's the one that set us free by his blood? Jesus. Jesus. Hey, Jesus is the one who set us free. Who here today believes that they are free? They're set free by the blood of the lamb, right? We'll see that as we go through Revelation, right? Because how can you take part in the second or in the first resurrection? How do you take part in that? Oh, except when Jesus Christ is the Right, by the blood of the lamb. Right, that's how you take part in the first resurrection. That's the symbol. That that was symbolism for for what Jesus would do, and that's why they had the sacrificial system. It was a picture of what Christ would do. Then in Genesis, why the ram was there, that kind of. Don't be burning my ram. The ram, no, it's the ram there with Abraham. I think it. Lots and lots of types. Lots and lots of types of Christ throughout the Old Testament. Oh man, let me tell you. Okay. So, but he's the one who sets us free by his blood, right? He is the atoning sacrifice. He is the one who actually did the work that we could never have done. Right? None of us would ever be able to atone for our sins. We could never have been good enough to do it. Right? Because what's the standard? Perfection. Perfection. We could never, ever be perfect. And it took God, the Word of God coming in flesh, to live a perfect life. Okay. Without Jesus living a perfect life, his sacrifice would have meant nothing. Right? Blameless, spotless lamb. Okay? That's what you were supposed to sacrifice, was the blameless and spotless lamb. Right? The firstborn of your lambs that was spotless and, ble and, and blemish-free, you know, it was like this perfect little lamb that you were supposed to sacrifice. Now you have a better understanding of what the sacrificial system was. It was to point to Christ and what he would ultimately do for us to be set free. Okay? And it says that he made us a kingdom of priests to God. 
So if you're a follower of Christ and you're abiding in Him, what are you? You're a priest. The whole idea there is that you are a priest under God, to God. And what are we supposed to do as priests? We're supposed to go out and proclaim the gospel, right? Proclaim the truth of Jesus. Proclaim what He has done. Proclaim what God is already taken care of and is going to continue to do, right? God is the creator of all, but He is also what? The sustainer of all, right? So even on the seventh day, when God rested from what He was doing, He was still sustaining everything. If God doesn't sustain it, it all just goes completely bonkers, okay? Right? It's kind of cool knowing that you're 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 a priest, priest in 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 the sight of God. You know, and that it doesn't take all these fancy credentials that we think it takes for for people to be pastors these days. If you are in Christ and you're abiding in Him and you are faithfully following Him, you are a saint. Okay, the whole i right the whole idea of what Christ did is that He basically set you free right from the bondage of sin. So sin no longer has a hold on us. We hold on to it. That's why so many of us, it's very easy for us to just go right back into sin, right? We can jump back into sin all the time. You know, it's one, it's either because you're not abiding or two, because you had a stupid lapse in judgment. And in that moment, you're not abiding. Okay. And that's why first John tells us that, well, if somebody does fall into sin, they have an advocate before the father. And who's the advocate? Jesus. Okay. Exactly. Okay. But he also tells us, John also tells us that he's, that we shouldn't sin, that we shouldn't go after sin because we've been set free from it. It no longer has control over us. We don't need to let it be master over us. Okay. And you'll see that through Revelation that so many people continue to give themselves to the bondage of sin and they refuse to repent despite the things that are happening to them. It's kind of crazy to think that, okay, God is literally showing you his power right now and you're still refusing to repent. What the heck? Right? Some people think that, you know, like heaven is going to be boring because you're going to be worshiping God all the time or you're going to be standing before him all the time. I don't know about you, but that sounds awesome. It sounds way better than the crap that we have to put up with here, right? You know, having to fight against our, our fleshly desires to go after sin, having to fight against our own thoughts. Oh, yeah. No, we'll probably, have, we'll, you know what, we may even work when we're in heaven, right? We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We just know it's going to be glorious and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be forever. And we get to be with God. We get to be with Jesus. Amen to that one. Yeah. Right? Right? You can have forever with God or you can have forever separated from God. Which one sounds much better? God. Be with your creator. Exactly. Right? You know, and, and I think one of the reasons that people feel like it's going to be like boring is because they still have the concept of time. When we're in heaven, there's going to be no concept of time. Right? A thousand years is like a day. A day is like a thousand years. That's not saying that one day is a thousand years to God. It means that God is outside of time. Okay? 
and they still have the desire to fuck. That's wow. sound, if it sounds boring, they still have the desires. They want to be yeah, have the desires of right. Their, the reality is, is that we think about it in human understanding. Yeah. But we need to think about it in eternal understanding. Eternal understanding is outside of time, right? Yeah. So we get to dwell with God forever, forever. Yeah. Outside of time, we're not going to care. We're just going to be like, yes, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's going to be awesome. You know, so many of us are like, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask that. I'm like, no, you won't. No, you won't. Because <laughs> you're going to know. Those things aren't going to matter. You know, one thing I think is really cool that says it's going to endure even, even to the very end. We'll still know this. We'll still know this. Right? We'll know better. Right? We'll know even better. Right? Right? All the things that maybe we didn't understand will come to understand. You know? Because like the Bible tells us, Paul tells us this, that we see through a glass darkly. We kind of, we see in part. We don't see the whole yet. Okay? I think if we saw the whole one, we'd be totally prideful and boastful. We'd be like Satan. Hey, Satan was with God. And he wanted to ascend above God and be like him. God said, nope. Bye. And that's the crazy part. That's hard, hard to understand. Satan could do that. I mean, see? But he could still... Kind of, kind of, kind of shows you about the choices that we get to make, right? Well, even at the, t I mean, think about it. An angel got to decide what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. And then he deceived a whole third of the angels to follow him. Shows you how easy it is to deceive someone. Okay, and again, I think that's the reason that we get all of this that Jesus gives us all of this so that we know what's coming and so we won't be deceived, right? It says, do not be deceived for I have told you ahead of time. Okay, so don't be deceived when you start seeing this stuff happen. You know, when some guy shows up on the scene and says, hey, I'm the Messiah. You're probably saying different, different words than that, but you know. You know, but there, that's the reason we have all this. So we know what's going to happen. So we don't have to run scared. So we can still stand firm in Christ. Okay. Even John right here, he goes, hey, this is what it's going to look like when Jesus returns. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be amen. amen. Right. This is exactly how Jesus left. Same way he left. It's the same way he's coming back. In Acts chapter 1, start in verse 9 through 11. It says, after he said this, so after he told them how the Spirit was going to come upon them, okay, he was taken up to, as they were watching him. So they were watching him. Okay, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While, they were, <laughs> while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. So they're just kind of staring up there going, what the heck 
you know, they're just standing there staring at the sky like a bunch of dodos going, oh, is he going to come back? Right? Exactly. While he was going and they were gazing into heaven and suddenly two men in white clothes or angels, okay, because angels are messengers, okay, some of them, or ministers or whatever else they come to be. They said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Same way he left is the same way he's coming back. It's going to be radical when Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you, you, I mean, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna know it and you're going to hear it and you're going to be all of a sudden with him when he's coming back. You would hope so. But the Bible does say that many will be deceived. Right? Many will be deceived. You know how many people think they're following Jesus but are not? Many will fall away from the faith. Exactly. They will be deceived. And they will fall. It's unfortunate. But that's why we need to know what this says. So that we can stand firm, right? So that we can be prepared for the fact that, hey, these things are going to happen. Jesus told us it was going to happen. And look, it's happening. Right? We can even look at the world today and we can see some of the stuff that has kind of been talked about, but not directly. Right? We're not seeing the direct things of Revelation happening yet. Some of them have, like the destruction of the temple. Or these churches when they didn't repent. None of them are standing anymore. Verse 7 uh, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. So, amen. Right here, Mark um, says, Even those who pierced him. So, why? I'm curious to know what your take is on this. Why is he bringing this up? Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and those who pierced him are going to see him coming back. What does that mean? It means the Jews. What's that? It means the Jews. Okay. Okay, because they didn't accept him as Messiah. Okay. Right? So they're going to see the one whom they pierced. They were the ones that sanctioned his death. Rome just had to do it. Right? Because the Hebrews weren't allowed to do that stuff. Okay, but you also see that he made a way for even the Gentiles. Even before, before I mean... Before he had went to Adam and said, hey, your people, the people, I'm going to choose them and they're going to be my people and I'm going to lead them and guide them and everybody's going to, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, we'll be blessed through you. You know, the Bible tells us that we get grafted into the olive tree. So, you know, we are part of God's chosen people now. And it doesn't mean we're replacing them. We don't, we don't replace, we don't replace Israel. Okay? But we do join in the blessing that they have through Christ. Okay? The problem is they didn't accept Christ. That's why it says they will see him. And they'll go, oops. We trusted the wrong dude. We believed in the wrong Messiah. Okay? Why, why is it emphasized, though, those who pierced him? When we know that the Jews are 
Jews are going to see it. I mean, a lot of Jews will, uh, you know, uh, come to be Messianic Jews. Why would why would you say that? Why would they say who pierced them? It sounds like, what, what, the reason I'm getting at is why it sounds like, uh, you know, uh, literally those who pierced them. Why wouldn't it be? That's like, why I think my mom died. Yeah. to look for. Why wouldn't it be like those who literally pierced him? See him come back. Did he make? I mean, it almost sounds like he made. He's made two trips. You know, two appearances. One maybe wasn't recorded. You know, I'm not saying it's true. Was I'm just saying that it sounds like Jesus made two appearances. One that he hasn't made. One he's already made, and one that he hasn't. Made. It would be impossible to call it a second coming if there's a third one. Right. Right. So that's why I don't believe in this, you know, this was all completed in 70 AD. That's one of the, that's one of the teachings out there that this has already been fulfilled in 70 AD. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I see people dying and I see people crying and I see sadness and I see all that stuff that we're not supposed to have after Jesus returns. Right. Right. So the only way I can truly interpret it is it's it is the whole of of Israel that has yet to follow Jesus, has yet to come to the truth. Because hey, over there they don't teach him as being Messiah. They're still looking for the guy. And they, that makes sense. That makes sense. And they say they might know who he is. That means there may actually be Antichrist on the earth already. I mean, there have been many Antichrists, but the Antichrist. Yeah. Hey, I mean, there's a guy in Hawaii who says he's Jesus. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but this, the one that the one that the Jews are looking for currently is a political leader who is going to bring peace on the earth, who will make a covenant for seven years, break it halfway through. Okay, they don't know that part yet because they ignore this. Okay, so that's what they're looking for. They're looking for like a world leader who is going to end up taking over everything. Okay. That's what they're, yeah. So you can see some of the stuff kind of unfolding. You know, but some of this stuff hasn't directly happened yet, except for the destruction of the temple. That has happened. Jesus predicted that. Which is one of my arguments for why I think that the book of Revelation was actually written before 70 AD. A lot of people think it was like 90 to 95 AD. But you never in any of the scriptures see mentioned the destruction of the temple. And if Jesus predicted it, you would think you would write that down if it happened. Right? So... You know, if this was written later, you would almost think that, huh, you might want to actually write down that, hey, a prophecy that Jesus made actually came true. But they don't. They talk about how he'll stand in the temple, so we know that there's going to be another temple, which they are prepared to build. Okay? They have everything that needs to go inside the temple right now. They've made everything that needs to be placed on the inside of the temple. Okay, there's this plate, there's this institute called the the Temple Institute. They've already made everything. Yeah. They've hinted to the fact that they might have the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I, I heard that they, people do know where exactly where it is. Mm -hmm. I believe it. I mean, there's a whole Sanhedrin 
that meets under the welling wall. Like they have a room underneath the welling wall where they meet. So it is highly possible they know where all the everything is and they've already made everything else to the exact specifications that they have for Solomon's temple, which is the one that was destroyed. So it could, it could very easily come in our lifetime. Okay, and that's why I think it's good for us to know what we're what we might possibly be going into. Okay? There was an in it, there was an imminency to what they talked about. Okay? You know, because at any moment these things could start happening. We could start seeing them happening. And they're gonna start. And once they start, I think there's gonna be no mistaking that it started. You know, some people think that we're already at like the fourth horseman. And I'm like, I highly doubt that. <laughs> highly doubt that. You know, because it's not, it's not as widespread as people think, <laughs> think it is, you know. But I don't know for sure. And I'm not going to be that guy that plays pin the tail on the Antichrist. I'm not going to give you a time and a date when Jesus is going to return. The only thing I know is, is this the, at the end of the tribulation. Yeah, but every eye will see him. Right? Nobody knows the time of the day except for God the Father. You know, so like I said, I'm not going to be that guy that tries to give you some times, tries to give you some dates. The only thing I'm going to tell you is it's at the end of the tribulation. It's the end, it's the end of the seven year tribulation. Oh, yeah. As he says in, in, in Matthew, you know, he says, it says in the book of Matthew, you know, when you start seeing these things take place, look up because your hope is drawing near. Okay, so we need to be on alert and we need to stand firm in Christ. Okay. There's a lot of different stuff. A lot of different stuff that that happens. Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of things happening. Yeah, it'll be things that we have never seen. It says that the that that the destruction of that time will have never been heard of. It's gonna put the flood to shame. Hey, people thought the flood was pretty hardcore. This is gonna be worse. I mean, come on, 100 pound balls of hell that are on fire mixed with blood falling out of the sky and crushing people. Yeah. Hardcore stuff. Right. You know, and some people are going to think, well, that's not just that's not fair. No, it is. It is. <laughs> you sinned against a holy and perfect God. Uh, it's it's totally justified. I am the alpha and the omega says the Lord God, the one who is, was, and who is to come, the Almighty. So who's that? That's God. God. <clears throat> right? There are some translations that actually put this in red letters. Okay? And some that don't. Okay? And I, I think that that's going to be a big toss-up. But the way I'm looking at it, it says it's Lord God. The Almighty. And the words used in the Greek that John is writing in would indicate that it's God. Do you have 11 in red? 
Yeah. You know, so so this is God. But <clears throat> later on, you see Jesus make this exact claim. Although there's going to be one caveat. At some point, is to come gets taken out of the equation. So right now, Jesus is still to come back. But later on, he'll have already come. Right? So God is the beginning and the end, right? Alpha and Omega. They're the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. Right? He's saying that, look, I am the preeminent one. I am the almighty. I am the creator. I am the sustainer. I am the I am. Okay? There is no one besides me saying, saying I'm the beginning, I'm everything in between, and I am the end. Besides me, there is no other. Right? And then Jesus makes the same claim later on. So what does that tell you? Jesus is God. Okay. <laughs> okay. God is infinite. He is outside of time. Okay. That's why we cannot fully understand him. However, we can be known by him. Okay. Jesus says, it says in the, in the Bible that, you know what? I want to know you. Okay, he doesn't want us to just know him. He wants to know us. Okay? And he wants to be able to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Instead of, I never knew you. Scariest words in the Bible. I never knew you and depart from me. Right? How many people's hearts just sank thinking that, oh man, I don't ever want to hear that. I don't ever want to hear that. That's right. Right, he says, if you abide in me, you have faith in me, you endure to the end. Meaning you never renounce him, you never turn your back on him. He says you will be with him and you will take part in the first resurrection. Okay, because blessed are those who take part in the first resurrection, which Jesus is the first of, right? Right. Other people were resurrected from the dead in the time and back in different Bible times, right? We've seen that, but they all died again. Could you imagine? That would suck. <laughs> get resurrected and then, like, you died once, now you got to die again. <laughs> that would kind of suck, you know. But at least maybe then for those people, they're like. Well, I know what it's like now, so I don't have to be as like freaked out by it, you know. Because I think that's the reason that many of us get freaked out by death because we don't know what it's like. Well, and it's just we don't know what it's like. It's like, well, is there an in between time or is it automatic? Well, Paul says it's automatic, right? It's a point of once for man to die and then the judgment. Okay, sounds like it's pretty automatic, right? Even in the Book of Revelation, the people who get their head chopped off because they didn't take the mark of the beast, they're under God's throne. You see why this is going to be a fun book to go through? <laughs> it's going to be fun. You know, but the prayer and the hope is going to be that what it does is it builds us up and it helps us to want to stand firm in Christ. So that no matter what comes our way, whether we're before the guillotine or not, if somebody's got a gun to your head saying, man, take this mark, or you're going to die. Take this mark, or we're going to cut your head off. Prayer is, is that we will stand in front of them and go, I will not deny my Lord and Savior. And then they'll just do you a favor. 
<laughs> right, they'll just do you a favor right there. Send you on a fast track. That's right. They don't just drop it, they saw it. So it's horrible. <laughs> so, so does it seem? Is, did, did it make sense? You guys excited for this? Yeah. I say some of it might be hard. But he didn't make it so un, so unknowable that we can't understand it. Hey, if it was if it was unknowable, we wouldn't have it. So, God wants us to be prepared, and that's what we're gonna do. Okay, and okay, if you're if you're sitting there going, well, how can this correlate to why we're actually in this room? You know, why we're in this program? Okay, the idea is that you are prepared. So when you leave this place. No matter if you go out today or if you go out in a year, that you can stand firm in Christ and say no to the things that you once said yes to. Okay. Okay. Not everything is going to directly correlate to what you guys are going through in your personal lives. Okay. But you can find application for it. Okay. So stand firm in Christ and let Him be the one who directs you. Okay, by the power of the Spirit, send me surrender to Him. Okay, who would like to close us? Come on, come on. Yeah, go, Mark. Lord, thank you for this this day. Thank you for Jeff coming in and talking and uh, revelation, guiding us through this and understanding what we've been taught so far. It's kind of going to be a little crazy and all that, but uh, Lord, we. Uh, Look for you. We bless. Uh, look for your blessings and all that. Just look upon us, and we you're the one and only Lord, the Omega, the Alpha and Omega, first and last. And Lord, thank you for everything you've done, and just show us everything you've got for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. Thank you.